0: sector, particularly cannabis real estate, where operators will sign up a transaction with someone and then they don't actually have the capital to be able to close. Now, I could regale you for an hour with story after story where The cannabis operator thought they were closing and getting their capital, and it just didn't happen. I think over the last three years, we've really established a reputation in the marketplace about doing what we say we're going to do. Now, being a public company, we do have robust access to capital to continue to provide the needs that the industry has. From the PodConnect studios, high in the Rockies at the beautiful Beaver Creek Resort, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show.
1: Today in MJ Bulls, we are joined by Anthony Caniglio, the president and chief investment officer at New Lake Capital Partners. Anthony, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much. Happy to be back. A lot has happened since you were last here, including merging with Green Acreage and going public. <laughs> so we yes. have a lot, we have a lot to talk about today. But before we jump in, let me quickly refresh everyone's memory. New Lake Capital Partners. Is the leading net lease REIT, and that's kind of where I wanted to get started today. Anthony, can you explain why real estate is so frustrating for cannabis companies?
0: Yeah, well, it it really is rooted in this disconnect between state and federal law. Under most landlord debt agreements, and quite frankly, most landlords have debt on their properties to improve returns. In most of those agreements, there is a provision that says that the landlord cannot lease to a company knowingly in violation of any law. And we all know that cannabis companies violate the Controlled Substances Act. So that precludes a significant source of real estate capital from coming in to provide the industry with the capital they need for for real estate. Yeah, so
1: if a landlord has a lease or, or, or a potential leasee and that leasee is engaged in some activity, even though it's legal in the state, but it's not legal federally, The landlord could lose his mortgage if he were to lease. So it's not just a landlord being, I don't want to involve. They don't have any choice,
0: right? Absolutely right. And then some of the other traditional providers of capital for real estate uh, just aren't there, whether they be large institutional investors or some of the public companies that look at the opportunity. They like it, but it's not sizable enough for them to take the compliance risk and put the rest of the franchise at risk. And so therefore we started New Lake by organizing capital that was dedicated to the cannabis industry.
1: It's unfortunately that we're in this situation because here I am is I have a license. I can't find anybody that will lease property to me. I can't get a mortgage on my own. So it really leaves me with one option and that's to purchase it outright. And that just makes it really difficult because it ties up all my cash. So I can't do anything that I need to do. And that's kind of where you guys jump in. How do you help companies free up cash off their balance sheet?
0: Yes, it's exactly where we come in. I do want to note that it's really no different than other industries. Um, If you were to look at Starbucks or Walgreens or Home Depot, for that matter, all of these companies sell lease back their properties. And why do they do it? Because they realize that the capital they raise from investors, that precious capital they raise from investors Their investors want them to make a return on that capital in the business that they're in. So whether it be coffee or or home supply or Walgreens, or in this case, cannabis specifically, utilizing your capital to sit on a hard asset like real estate isn't necessarily a good use of capital. So many industries do this. What we do specifically in the cannabis space is we buy properties from and for companies in the sector. We buy dispensaries, we buy cultivation facilities, processing facilities, and we provide non-dilutive capital for them to employ or deploy into their business. And that's important because in this environment where equity valuations are down so much, Companies are reticent to utilize their equity to raise capital. So if we can provide capital for them to execute on their CapEx needs in their real estate platform, it's a very accretive investment for them.
1: Oh my gosh. It's not just buying the real estate. There's a lot of CapEx that needs to be done when they buy the real estate. And if you can provide them in addition to the the space, you can provide them the CapEx because Mm -hmm. you're now the landlord. So it's in your best interest to do it. I imagine that's a huge benefit for most of these companies. You're
0: you're absolutely right. Most of our transactions do include a significant amount of what we call tenant improvement dollars. Mm -hmm. And so we will acquire a property and we will provide millions of dollars for the build out of a cultivation facility. You know, I'll give you one quick example. We executed a transaction two years ago with a group called Pure Pen, which ultimately was acquired by Trulieve. So now Trulieve is our tenant. But we provided capital for a small footprint of a building. They were expanding about 30,000 square foot next to it. So we purchased the building. We provided them the capital to complete the expansion. Then we next turned and we purchased the parcel next door to them and we provided capital for an entire ground buildup. So immediately oh, we wow. purchased that property for half a million dollars and gave them another 15 to 20 million dollars to actually complete that building.
1: I, I can just see where that's a huge advantage and, and they have the confidence because they have a lease with you. So they know that they're not going to turn around and you know kick them out or, or something. So they yes. have that advantage that they have a lease and they just pay they're monthly and whatever is also included within the lease. I, I know you work with m- most of the major MSOs. You mentioned one. So you must be easy to work with, but maybe you can just walk us through the process or for other companies that aren't familiar with this. If they're thinking about freeing up cash, walk us through the process.
0: Yeah. So we have a Rolodex of well over a hundred companies. We are in dialogue with cannabis operators, whether they be retail operators, cultivators, or vertically integrated companies, whether they be single state operators, small multi-state operators, or the largest MSOs in the country. And through that dialogue, they are identifying where they want their expansion capital to go. Now, perhaps they want to purchase a license in a new state, they may tap into a real estate asset they have on their balance sheet that's fully built out in order to raise that capital and use that capital elsewhere unlocking and raising that non-dilutive capital for instance one dialogue recently we've been speaking with the company for a couple of years and they didn't necessarily need the capital and then one day they turned to us and they said we've been having this dialogue for nearly two years now we're ready we actually have the use of the capital we'd like to go off and execute a transaction so we understand that this is a long cycle. They call it a sales cycle. You know, it's a long sales cycle. But for us, it's really about a relationship. We want people to know that we have specialized knowledge in the sector. We mm-hmm. want people to know that we are a reliable counterparty. You know, There's a real issue in the cannabis sector, particularly cannabis real estate, where operators will sign up a transaction with someone, and then they don't actually have the capital to be able to close. And I could regale you for an hour with story after story where... A cannabis operator thought they were closing and getting their capital, and it just didn't happen. I think over the last three years, we've really established a reputation in the marketplace about doing what we say we're going to do. Now, being a public company, we do have robust access to capital that continue to provide the needs that the industry have. It's a great option
1: for the more conservative investor Because they have the real estate as a backstop. It just gives them that additional confidence. What are some of the other real estate
0: investment advantages? Let me start with our business model. Our business model is actually quite simple. We acquire these properties. We lease them back on a long-term basis, 15 to 20 years. Our leases escalate every year on average 2.5%. So every year that rent is going up, we collect rent. And as a REIT, we have to distribute 90% of our income. And so we pay out a healthy dividend to our investors. Our last dividend, we had raised from 24 cents to 31 cents in the last quarter. Um, If you annualize that dividend, you look at it today's stock price, we're paying a 5% yield. It's a pretty nice, healthy yield still with equity upside. But when you pull back the covers in terms of how we underwrite these properties, we believe that we create significant value for investors because our properties are all in limited license jurisdictions. These are jurisdictions where the property and the license are typically attached to each other. And so that creates meaningful value because in the limited license states like in Illinois or in Massachusetts or Pennsylvania or even in Florida or in Arizona, all locations where we have properties, there is less competition. Less competition means better margin and better cash flow for our tenants. It also means that these licenses have intrinsic value, meaning that if an operator was having difficulty achieving their profitability goals at one of our locations, they're unlikely to throw the keys, which happens sometimes in the real estate industry. They're more likely to sell that license for five, 10, $15 million, tap into the intrinsic value. And then the, the buyer is approved by the state. And so the state of course has an interest in making sure it's a quality buyer. So we think for that reason, that there's a lot of durability to the cash flows that we invest. And we think once legalization happens, the value of our real estate is going to appreciate significantly. And so we have a lot of downside protection. One last thing that investors should be aware of is when you look at real estate, one of the interesting metrics that a triple net lease re- like ours would, would disclose is you would talk about the cash flow coverage. This is how much cash flow do the properties that you own generate sufficient to pay rent? That's a measure of the, the cash health of those particular properties. And typically in the reed industry, they would average somewhere around three and a half times multiple. So think about EBITDA plus rent, three and a half times multiple. Within our cultivation facilities, which are industrial and you don't normally get that type of multiple, we're roughly six times. (laughs) And in our retail portfolios, we're over 10 times covered. And so we feel really good that the quality of our properties are going to generate, that we have good quality properties that will generate cash flow to continue paying our dividend but also they are attractive should somebody else want to acquire the property.
1: Wow, you said so much in there. There were so many positive things, I don't even know where to begin, but I I think that if anybody is interested, we'll have all of New Lake Capital Partners info in the show notes including their stock information. So if you're a company that's looking to unlock some capital or you're an investor looking at our cannabis real estate investment, just click the links in the show notes. There's so much more that we could talk about, Anthony. We, we never even get close to finishing, but I, I got to cut it off now. But
0: thanks for being on the show. Let's do
1: it again. Let's not wait a year and a half to do the next time. That would be great. I,
0: I always enjoy it. Thank you so much for having me back. And I do look forward to the next time. Thanks for listening
1: to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana hemp and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male
0: industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.